Good morning. How are you? For those who don't know me, my name is Clint Andrews. I am your director of administration. Um, and I'm not Pastor Aaron Wallace. So, so when that was announced and you didn't leave, we're in good shape. We're going we're gonna to have a good Sunday today. I told Pastor Kevin, I said, uh, Pastor Aaron is always looking, he's looking at the clock to see how much time he has left because his, he preaches so vibrantly and his, his information, he's, he's got a ton of information and he needs more time. I look at the clock and say, oh my goodness, I've got that much time left. I've got to find something to talk about with you guys. It's a, it's a different deal. I want to thank Pastor Aaron for his belief in me and, and he's not only my pastor, he's my friend and Pastor Nathan Miller, who pours into me, and Pastor Kevin Bragg, Pastor Blake Powers, Miss Terry, Tracy Mosley, all the staff, Mr. Gordon, who's as close to a prophet as we got here at Hepsville Baptist Church, if you know him. Um, I like to thank my class. I have a class who are as nervous, way more nervous than I am because they are very afraid. I'm going to call their name out and ask them to step up on the stage and, and tell their testimony, but I still may do that, so don't, don't get too settled. I'd like to thank uh, Pastor Vance Pittman for his tutelage on this message that I'm about to bring to you guys today. Um, I am your Director of Administration. I do, under the care of Pastor Nathan and Pastor Aaron, look after our finances to where we spend them thriftily to further the kingdom, to keep you warm, to keep you cool, to keep you something to drink in the water fountains if you drink from the water fountains, to keep the lights on. I would say I'm not the, the most favorite of the staff. I, I don't bring good tidings of great joy sometimes when I come to see them, but they love on me anyway, and I love them. So today, I, would, I want you to imagine a scene with me. I want you to, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. I'm just going to ask you to go through a scene with me. Jesus is in an upper room with his disciples for a meal. There's nothing formal about this. There's, it's like our setting here. It's casual, relaxed. I can imagine that they're laid back. They're, they may be sitting on the floor. It's a very, very relaxed scene. Common. Nothing special. And in a span of just a few seconds, the scene becomes a tense scene. Very tense. It's changed. Jesus walks over and grabs a towel or a cloth and a basin of water. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. 
This is another common sin. There's nothing special about this, but it's not usually done by rabbi or, a, or anyone of Jesus' stature. There's no one of Jesus' stature. It's usually done by a lower person or a servant. And we know as we read in the Gospel of John that it, it draws, it, it, it makes a tense moment. It's things have changed. As we read on further into chapter 13 and 14 and 15, we see that Jesus initiates what we now celebrate as the Lord's Supper. He gets the cup and the bread. And he installs that for us to do. I can imagine that these disciples, and, and think about it, this it's a very strange moment for them. It's very strange. They go on, we, we move on through the chapter, and Jesus exposes Judas as a traitor, and Judas is excused, and now what was 12 is 11 who, who were brothers who have seen Jesus and been with him for three years, they're in shock. They're in awe. They really don't know what's going on. This is a, this is a man they have followed. They've seen all things with him. Things have changed. Between chapter 14... In chapter 15 in the book of John, we see a transition. The last verse of chapter 14, you see Jesus say, Come, let us go from here. So they leave. They go out the east gate, city of Jerusalem. They go through the Kidron Valley. And they go to what we will know as the Garden of Gethsemane. Where we will see in further chapters in the book of John that he takes a few disciples in there with him and they pray. So all of a sudden this scene that is set in the upper room has changed. It's a, it's a moving scene now. I can see on the, the face of the disciples the the. the the unknown, they don't know what's going on, but we also see in the face of Jesus an intensity, an intensity in his face that we've never seen. Now, he's lived an intense life, we know, for 33, but this is an intensity we never have seen before. Now, our word doesn't picture it like this or say it, but I want to imagine that Jesus leads this band of disciples down a set of stairs that are rickety at best. He leads them down the streets of Jerusalem. He leads them out and down through the Kidron Valley. 
teaching the whole time. The intensity on his face is tremendous. It's, the unknown of the disciples is, is they're, they're confused. It's quiet. And as he's walking, he comes to what would be commonplace again in the Kidron Valley. He comes to a vineyard. He comes to a vineyard. And in my imagination and in my thoughts of this scene, that my Savior, he, he gets down on one knee, And he reads what I'm about to read to you, or he speaks it. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Some of the strongest verses we will ever see or read to show you and I what the life of a Christian should be. In less than three hours from when this is read, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus will be led away. He will be arrested and taken away. In less than 24 hours, he will be nailed to the cross. He will arise from the dead in three days. And in 40 days, he will ascend to the Father. Some of the most powerful verses that we have to show what the life of a Christian should be.
to show what the life of a Christian should be. Six times in eight verses, Jesus mentions bearing fruit. With a show of hands today, I want to know who wants to bear fruit for the glory of God. Who wants to bear fruit for the glory of God? Many hands. I see many hands, myself included. I do want to, to, to bear fruit for the glory of God. And we should. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So I'm going to ask this question. What is fruit in the life of a believer? What is fruit in the life of a believer? Real quick, about 15, 20 seconds. I want you to jot down or think, what is fruit in the life of a believer? What is fruit in the life of a believer? Now some will say, leading someone to Christ, having a conversation with them, they turn and move to Christ, is bearing fruit. Some will say that taking that, that same person and discipling them, leading them, Carrying them, D group 101, D group 201, bearing fruit. Some will say that sharing a cup of water with the homeless or someone in need is bearing fruit. Now, these in and of themselves are good, but we need to understand what fruit truly is because they missed the mark just a little bit. Jesus gives us four clues in our scripture to what fruit is. Number one, fruit is the defining mark of a believer. Fruit is the defining mark of a believer. Verse 8 says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Prove means, the word prove means to give evidence of what you are. Fruit separates us from the genuine believers, from the non-genuine believers. So if we read that verse again, we look at that verse in verse 8, we read it with that in. It says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and give evidence for, give evidence of, that you are my disciple. Fruit separates us. Number two, fruit is a lifestyle characteristic of a believer. 
a lifestyle characteristic. Bearing fruit is an active present tense. means it is ongoing. That means bearing fruit is what you do all the time. Not just something you do one time and say, hey, where's my next chance to witness? Where's my next chance to go somewhere? Where's my next chance to tell somebody about Jesus? It's an ongoing thing. So we got fruit as a defining mark of a believer. Separates the genuine from the non-genuine. Fruit is a lifestyle characteristic of a believer. Number three, fruit is a life, fruit is evident in varying degrees. Fruit is evident in varying degrees. If we go back into verses 1 through 8, we see that he says, bear fruit. Later on down in that passage, he says, bear more fruit. Later on, he says, bear much fruit. And it takes us also to Mark 4.20, and he says, And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So in a believer's life, he will bear fruit, sometimes 30 fold, sometimes 60 fold, sometimes 100 fold. It will change in the life of that believer. Number four, fruit is that in the believer that glorifies the Father. And we see back in verse 8, my Father is glorified by this. Now what we have to understand, guys, is that these four or five chapters that we're talking about were lived out in the span of one evening. One evening. So when Jesus is talking about this and he, and he reads verse 8, they would immediately go back to chapter 14, verse 13 in the Gospel of John. It says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now let's look at these, these words. That will I do. That will I do. Now Jesus is not saying, I'm going to give you the strength to do this. He's not saying, I'm going to give you a pat on the back and you can go do this. What he's saying is that, I will do it because it will glorify the Father. Jesus is about to leave and he promises them that he will manifest his life through them to the glory of the Father. Let me read that again. Jesus is about to leave. He is shared with them in, in the upper room about how he is about to die. He has shared with them that they cannot go where he is going. They're in shock, they're in awe, but what he is saying once again is that he is going to manifest his life through them to the glory of the Father. Now let me ask you, what is it in the life of a believer that brings glory to God? 
What is it in the life of a believer that brings glory to God? Jesus. That's the answer. Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God. And as Jesus manifests his life in and through our life, it brings glory to the Father. Let me read that again. Jesus is the glory of God. And, it, and, and Jesus manifests his life in and through our life. It glorifies the Father. Let me let you in on a secret. We can't bring glory to God. We can't bring glory to God. But God isn't lacking for glory. He is glory. Amen? He is glory. We experience His glory through the person of Jesus Christ. And our lives are then revealed and reflect His glory through Jesus living in us. So let's define fruit. The definition of fruit is the life of Jesus in me being lived through me. Follow me. Fruit, the life of Jesus in me being lived through me. The life of Jesus in me being lived through me. And let me go back to the illustration. Jesus has them where? In a vineyard. So let's don't talk, let's don't talk Bible talk, let's talk agricultural talk. City folks, you're gonna have a tough time. City folks, you're gonna have a tough time. You got an apple tree. What comes, what kind of fruit comes out of an apple tree? Yeah, it's not a trick question, that's right. It's not Jesus. It's not not Jesus. It's apples. You got an orange tree. What comes out of an orange? Oranges. You got a lemon tree. What comes out of a lemon? Lemons. You got a grape vine. What comes out of a grape vine? Grapes. Now listen to me. This, this is what's going on. Jesus is, he's got these men in front of him. He's down front talking to them. He's got their attention. He says, he says to them, I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the vine. You are the branches. What is fruit? Fruit is the life of the vine that is pressed through the branches. Follow me? Fruit is the life of the vine that is pressed through the branches. So when we talk about that with Jesus, bearing fruit is Jesus' life in you, the branch, being pushed out of you as his life. So when you think about that, you go back to your four points. Bearing fruit is the defining mark of a believer. You see it. You're bearing fruit. Number two, it's the lifestyle characteristic. It's not just something we do when we come to church or we go to camp or we go to D group. It's something we do all the time. 
It's something we do all the time. Two results of this. Being changed from the inside by God, which conforms us to the image of Jesus. Now, let me, let me, let me get this point to you. Salvation is God working in us to conform us on the inside to reflect Jesus. Salvation is not something we can do on our own. Salvation, once again, is God in us, changing us to conform us to his image, and we reflect that and glorify the Father. Jesus in our lives changes us. If we go to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, let's think about that. A lot of us will look at that list of fruits of the Spirit and say, you know, I've got the love part, but I don't have any joy. I've got the peace part, but I don't have any patience. Kindness I'm okay with. Goodness I'm not very good at. Faithfulness I am. Gentleness I'm not. Self-control, yes. But what I'm trying to tell you guys is that all these is the nine-dimensional picture of Jesus. With Jesus, you, you don't have to worry about love. Jesus in you worries about love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. Jesus is patience. Jesus is kindness. Jesus is goodness. Jesus is faithfulness. You don't have to worry about those. Fruit is his life being lived out through us. Fruit is his life being lived out through us. Now, if bearing fruit is the defining mark, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we have to do to bear fruit? Amen? Now, if, if it was, if, if it's to bear fruit, you had to get up here and do this, how many of us would bear fruit? If bearing fruit was, was one time you had to get in front of a believer and with your own life story share with them your walk with Christ, how many people would do that? So how do we bear fruit? How do we bear fruit? If we go back to our scripture and read it, There's only one command in that scripture. Nowhere in verses 1 through 8 does God say, go bear fruit. Nowhere does Jesus say that. He never says, go bear fruit. One command. Do you see it? It says, abide in me. Abide 
in me. The word abide means to hang on to. Let me go back to you and ask you this. Have you ever seen, a, have you ever seen an orange tree and the limbs on the orange tree going, Aah! trying to produce an orange? No. You ever seen an apple tree going, Aah! no. There's only one thing that that limb has to do. He's got to hold on to the tree. Fruit is the life of the vine being pushed through the branches. All the command says is you don't have to worry about having peace, Mr. Larry. You don't have to worry about having joy, Mr. Tony. You don't have to worry about having gentle, Mr. Gorman, because we know you do, but you don't have to worry about it. Why? All he's asking you to do and all he's asking me to do and all he's asking the preacher to do and all he's asking all of us to do is hold on to the vine. That's all he's asking us to do. That's all he's asking us to do. I'm going to land this plane. That's my preacher talk. I'm going to land this plane for you. Pastor Kevin's going to come up. and You know, I love to say that. As Pastor Kevin comes up. My preacher talk. I want you to think about it. You've got troubles in your marriage. You've got troubles at home. You've got troubles. All he's asking you to do is to abide in him. You've got issues at work. You've got struggles. You've got addictions. He's just asking you to abide in him. You can't do it on your own. You're the branch. He's the vine. You're the branch. He's the vine. Fruit is the life of the vine being pressed out through the branches. You hear me? Fruit is the vine pushed out through the branches. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to this time and We hear what it means to be a Christian for you and how to bear fruit is you living through us and through us. Fruit is you living in us and through us, Lord. So today we have to ask ourselves, are we bearing good fruit? Or are we just being busy, Lord? 
trying to do it on our own, trying to mark off a checklist. Are we truly abiding in you? I pray that each one of us will search our souls. That we will look into your word and we hear what you say to us today as we meditate and chew on your word, Lord. You are the vine. We are the branches. You are the vine. I am the branch. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.